named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell from Love to Move and I'm delighted to be rejoined by my co-host, Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, welcome back. Congratulations. How are you? Good morning uh, and thank you. I am good. I think I'm good. Um, if you were just saying to me off air that I've had a haircut and I look tired, but somehow I still look like I'm 12 years old. Um, and I'm somewhere in the <laughs> middle of, I feel like a tired 12 year old where everything's kind of like new and exciting every day, but also equally terrifying. Um, yeah, I'm learning every day that uh, kids get colds and it's okay. And uh, no one ever tells you there's not, a, there's not one YouTube video or one parenting book or any of my mates uh, that have said that kids make loads of noise when they're asleep. Uh, and like they, <laughs> they grunt and they squeal and they whistle. Um, and no one told us that. So we're sitting there and we're like, what is going on? Like those first few nights where you sort of just stare at your kid and you're like, I'm going to put my ear <laughs> to her nose just to make sure she's still breathing. Make sure they're breathing. Yeah, I still do it. Three, well, three weeks and two days in, I still do it. Um, plus she's super cute, so it's always nice to go for a little kiss. But it, like they just they just make all kinds of weird noises, and nowhere did they tell you like don't worry that's all normal. So we're sitting there at like three o'clock in the morning, like frantically googling like grunts while sleeping, you know. And then you always put you always put NHS at the end because you want to trust the source. You don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. And then it all says it's normal. So yeah, uh, nothing nothing too crazy's gone wrong yet. Uh, so we feel very very lucky. Um, it's been good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, I think. And I think she's enjoying it as well, which is cool. Amazing. It is such a, a special time. I'm, I'm really made up for you. I'm happy that you know, you're just in that nice little bubble now, enjoying all that. Interestingly enough, and we will talk estate agency in a minute, but we evicted Leo from, so Leo's my eldest, we evicted Leo from our room at about six weeks, I think, because exactly that. When I went back to work and you've got to sleep, right? Because you've got, you've got to have the energy to, to, to get to work. And I couldn't sleep because it was like having a little, like having a little monster in the, yeah. in the bedroom, I think. So, so noisy. But yeah, we, we got him out super quick. So. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I don't know how long we'll, we'll keep her in there for, but we've got a reasonable routine. Like, this is amazing. She just keeps the kid alive. And then my job is to keep us alive, you know? Uh, right. so that, that I think is about as good a teamwork as we can get when it's just us two, uh, trying to play our way at it on our own. Um, never have I ever spent so much time on FaceTime. I just literally turn FaceTime on with like either my mum or her parents. And I just face the kid and I can go off and do anything. And half an hour later I can come back. <laughs> you know, I know something's wrong because the parents are looking at the baby. So there's still a bit of a grandparent action, even if it is from the other side of the world. So yeah, it's been good, but I'm sure, you know, uh, our, our listeners probably don't want to hear about my kid any much longer. Um, tell me, like, talk to me what has happened. I've actually done really well and not really worked at all. Um, pains me to look at my inbox. I started back at work. Uh, officially it's today, but I started back yesterday and I started working through my emails. 
and it got to like one o'clock in the afternoon and I still had a few to go. I was like, cool. You know, <laughs> this so usually when I'm on holidays, I'll watch, I'll look at emails, I'll reply to a few and you come back and you might have like 40 or 50 that you haven't really actioned and that's okay. And I've done none of that for three weeks. So yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those like build up weeks this week, I would imagine. But yeah, what, what's been going on? We're obviously in a new lockdown now so i've got my head shaved i had the long hair last lockdown this lockdown i've gone the opposite there will be no man bun or lockdown version two um but it feels a bit different right yeah um it's 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 three weeks and there's a lot has happened in three weeks right so we've got an awful lot to, to catch up on so um i think when that initial lockdown was announced, I can t- talk about my personal feelings. I thought, oh, I'll cover this all right. And then last week, so it was announced, we're recording this on Tuesday the 10th. This will go out tonight. Obviously, it was announced on, um, not last Saturday, the Saturday before, announced on, on Saturday night. I was like, oh, I'm all right. And then last week, I'll be honest, I felt the week in the office was a bit of a car crash, particularly Monday. I was like a bear with a sore head, um, thinking, we think the housing market is going to stay open. We've had a little bit of confirmation, but we've not had the official confirmation. What does that look like? What does the market look like? Um, and how are we going to forward plan? But we did sit down as a team and say, normally in a normal year, which this is a very not a normal year, is it? But normally November and December would be quiet months. So there's probably some companies that if you could furlough staff normally in November and December, would probably take that opportunity to do so because the phones might not ring. I was actually, before this lockdown was announced, I was expecting quite a busy November and December because people aren't going to be doing the normal, you know, going out partying in December, going on holiday. It's not, it's not going to be normal. Um, so I was actually expecting perhaps maybe a bit of a busier market with the stamp duty um, holiday and looming end of March. But, you know, we, we don't know what we can we don't know what's going to happen. All we can control is what we can control. So we can control the mindset in the office. We can control the amount of work that we get through. Um, and that's, that's all that we can do. And I struggled with that last week, I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, but the market has reacted quite positively, I think. Um, I can talk about our experiences locally with moving works and then nationally we'd love to move and we've not seen a slowdown um or not a noticeable slowdown anyway i think you know you would expect it at this time of year but we've, we've not seen a slowdown that i would attribute massively to a local lockdown although the, the first day thursday almost like the phones aren't working um, do you think do you think people are um just a little bit more prepared for it uh, and maybe a little bit less fearful like We've been through it for five months, you know, talking about four weeks, although I don't think it will be just four weeks. Um, do you think that oh, they're no. just like, okay, we can, you know, we'll do what we can do. We'll, we'll make probably the best of whatever this situation is. Whereas before, I think particularly in those early days, everyone just started baking bread and going for walks every day. And, and it was, it was like a stop work meeting, even if you could work from home. Whereas now I think life's moving on or moving forward just it's from home there doesn't feel that sense of like the handbrake doesn't feel as on as it did before yeah i, w- I would completely agree with that um and you know speaking to various people in, in different industries i was speaking to a lady in pr yesterday and it very much feels like 
everyone is working from home, whereas as you say, first time round, everyone went home and the kids weren't at school and you know, no one was set up to work from home. It was, you know, like a real you say the handbrake went on. Now it's not like that. Definitely not. And I think that's only really positive for the market. I also think they will probably extend the stamp duty um holiday, but that's just simply my opinion. I would agree with that. We've been talking about it for a long time that it's this is the road test for whether it stays as a permanent thing. And I truly believe that until there's at least a change in government, it will stay the way that it is. Um, and someone will run it as a policy of doing this or doing that or whatever it is. Um, not that the economy needs uh, any, like it does need more stimulus now than it probably has ever. But stamp duty is not where you find that money to tip back into it. You know, there are other ways that you can encourage money to come back into uh, it back into you know the government's pocket that they can do with what they want. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you is when, so we're in a second lockdown now, but effectively for state agents, and I was talking about this, well, I was thinking about this last week and I recorded a few videos and I'm just deciding whether I look like, whether I'm tired enough or make any sense to put them out there. But <laughs> the market is open. Effectively, not much has really changed for estate agents, I think, in the last two weeks in terms of what they can do. But I think it's really I important. I think it's really important to realize that the perception from the public is that a lot's changed. Even though, I mean, you and I saw on every, like I think every estate agent in England's Facebook on Saturday night had Robert Jennick's Twitter saying, the market's yeah. still open, we can do this. And then we all put out the same. It's a bit like now we're talking with this, the weekend after the US election's done and everyone's put the meme out of, if you're moving house, use me, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not sure who started that, but I've seen a few people throwing around the same image where they've just sort of copied and pasted their uh, agency name over the top of it. But <laughs> all these agents were so quick to jump in and say, look at me, I can still work so I can help you. And I think that there was a bit of a missed chance or to, to show a bit of leadership and a bit of empathy to be like, what does this mean for you? Rather than look mm -hmm. what it means yeah, for okay. me. Um, so how, like, how are you talking to people now? Like, what is the difference in your conversations to somebody who may or may not want to move now, or if you're just following a buyer or, or a tenant or a landlord up or anybody, what is the difference in the conversations you're having now to what you were three weeks ago? Is there any difference? Um, and are you sort of saying like, nothing's really changed for us, but I'm keen to know how you're feeling through this and has anything really changed for you, et cetera? I completely agree with what you just said there, Sam. And actually, you've made me realise when we put marketing out, I'm becoming obsessed with saying it's not about us, it's about them. And actually, you've just highlighted a massive mistake that we made um, 10 days ago because it was all about us. We're still open. We did put a bit on there about other businesses and, and what have you. But actually, you're right. It should be, how does that, that make you feel? And that will be um, something that I will relay to our team in our, in our meeting this morning. And conversations, one thing I've seen on other agents' social media is if you have to move, you can still move. And I personally really don't like that. I don't think it's an overly positive message to give out. I know it's, we're not in a you know, fantastic position, but I don't think saying to someone, if you have to move, you can move. I just don't think it sends, sends the right message. So what we're doing is we're trying to speak to people and 
just judge judge their situation and make it a very personal phone call. So we're not going to be saying, right, you need to list your property normal times, right, you need to list list your property today so you're on the market for the weekend and trying to, um, you know, use time-sensitive sort of methods to try and bring them to market. That's gone out the window completely. It, It is, and I suppose in the conversation, you know, are you ready to move? You know, you've still got the stamp duty holiday, um, et cetera, et cetera. And just making sure that those people that are thinking about moving are comfortable with, with doing so, making sure that we're explaining to them that since we came back in May, we have um, followed the government advice. We have an online form, so people have to confirm that they're only going to come with so many people and not touch anything and you know, all that sort of thing. So I would say from our perspective, the conversations that we're having with clients is reassuring them that the market is still open. And um, not saying, you know, is your position this, then you need to do this. It's just reassuring them, you know, the market is still open. There is still activity in the market as well. So I suppose reassuring and educating and then, you know, seeing how they they react. I've got, you know, some people saying, no, I don't want to go to market. We, you know, we don't want people coming in our house. And I completely understand that. And then we've got other people who, and I would say this is much more now than it was back in March. We've got other people who are, as you said, just getting along with life and, um, you, know, you know, we are, it was the plan to move. We are wanting to move by um, the end of March. So we will go to market and we're seeing those properties as, you know, we have done for a long time. If it goes to market and it's well marketed and priced correctly, they're getting interest straight away. I think it's still you know, quite a good market for sellers. And how, I want to come back to that point that you made about it. We still do want to move by March. So how are you managing expectations? It's now 10th of November. Um, if you look at some of the data that comes out about average conveyancing times throughout the country, I've got a mate of mine who had an offer agreed on the 16th of August um, and his solicitor is still waiting for replies to inquiries. Um, yeah. Um, and this is for a share of freehold bog standard flat in Fulham, you know, um, and there his, his solicitor, she's doing a really good job actually. She's based in Leeds, but doing, doing work all over. Uh, again, the remote world, right? Um, yep. She's saying you guys need to start making decisions because this this conversation is really going nowhere, but it's going to go mm-hmm. even less further come 10th of December, let alone 10th of November. And then suddenly it's going to be February and we'll look to hopefully yep. exchanging. And then we've got to hope that we can get all the funds arranged and everything like that by the time that March rolls around. So how are you managing seller expectations, buyer expectations around timeframes? Because I'm sure, and I know we've all got a sneaky feeling that the standard is going to be extended, particularly if you can prove that you've got an offer agreed before end of February or that date. Although I think in typical uh, Boris Johnson government fashion, they'll announce that it's going to be extended about the 25th of March. Um, yeah. And I'll just be like, hey guys, here's what we're doing. See you later. <laughs> cool. Bye. Um, maybe, maybe slightly. Less panic. Yeah. It won't be panic. It'll be relief, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, it will, yeah, and it will again stimulate the market. I think next year will bring its own challenges. You know, good thing is if there's a global pandemic next year, everyone's going to be like, whatever, you know, we can handle that. Um, but there'll be other yeah. challenges. There'll be other new things. It's like, again, coming back to the parental thing, right? There'll be another snotty nose next year that is kind of meaningless, but you freak out because the first time that's happened to you and you've got to figure out how you suction that out of someone's nose. So whatever happens next year, there'll, there'll be, there'll be challenges. Um, and I think, you know, part of what we're doing in our business at the moment is talking to our people about like the time now is yes, you can grow. And we're fortunate enough that 
nothing burnt down in the business over the last three weeks and we actually did really well. But it feels like we consolidated a lot of our positions as well. Um, and that's, I think, what you've got to be doing now is consolidate your position as the go-to agent, no matter, like for the, you know, Ray Dalio is a famous investor. He talks about having an all-weather strategy. You know, you want to be the all-weather agent. You want to be, you want to be the person that come, someone comes to an absolute screamer of a market because they can go to anyone at the moment. And like you say, they'll get a price to do whatever, having a chat to a client of ours um, who's based nearish to you. Um, I won't give too much more away than that. Um, and he was saying that month on month, every month, uh, he comes up against 795 quid fixed fee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying that there's, you know, there's song and dance out there about never reduce your fee, never do that. But in his era, if he went in there at 2%, he'd get laughed out, even if he was the best person, because maybe he has the best processes, but the person who's doing it 795 for the last 90 days has been able to show listed and sold it, listed and sold it, listed and sold it, listed and sold it. Whereas two years ago, they'd show listed, 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 maybe I sold it, listed, 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 sold it. So you've got to be that all weather agent that actually can adapt to go through it. I think those people who are going around saying that they never budge on their fees are either the agents who deal in really like low volume, um, I'm talking, they might do three deals at a time maximum. Um, and they yeah. say no to the ones that won't do it for them or won't pay for any marketing or won't do it their way. Um, or they're lying, you know, um, <laughs> genuinely. I, I, I just think that people are too bullish. And, and at the moment, real estate agents are, are less in the market that we find ourselves in now, which is still really unique compared to anything that I think Certainly, I've been doing this 10 years and I've seen what I thought were good markets. I've never seen anything like this. There are people that I speak to who've been doing this 30 years, 40 years. We've had them on the show. They've never seen a market like this. You know, we're now in a second national lockdown in, in a global pandemic and it's still strong. So any, anyone can get results at the moment. Like estate agents are more like modems than anything else. All they're doing is they're just put like connecting things. One piece of information is going to the other and all they're doing is relaying it. They're not actually really adding too much to the transaction. You talk about all the, or like there's, again, you read any of those Facebook groups and there's quibbles about, I lost the listing to a low fee and a high valuation, but they sold it at the high valuation. So was it, was it overvalued or were they just reacting to the market and saying like, actually, this is a punter's market. You know, this is where I put, you know, a cheeky little bet on the outside horse. Um, on the cup day or whatever it's going to be and see who comes through in the end. But maybe they might've overvalued it. No one can see me doing rabbit ears now, but they might've also said, if we don't get this price in two weeks, then we bring it down. We'll drop it. You know, mm. and no agent knows that because people don't say that. They just say, yeah, we're going on at 550. You know? So I think adaptation is hugely important to, to be able to, like I said, consolidate, be that all weather agent, you know, in a really tough market, you hold your fees really strong. You are buoyant, but really realistic on price. You know, now you might back an outsider really early, but it might be 10 days or it might be, we're going to give it five days. We're going to call our 20 best buyers. We're not going to put it anywhere. We're not going to do any advertising, but we'll get everything set up. And if not one of those 20 best buyers have all missed out, if not one of them nibbles, then we talk about price again you know, and I'll do it for one and a half percent or whatever it's going to be. 
you know, however it might be. It might be a case of if we get your price, then I'll do it at, my, at your fee. But if we don't get your price, then we do it my way, my price and my fee, you know? And people are going to say yes for two weeks for that. And then you've got two weeks to absolutely blow them away with honesty, integrity, good customer service. And you'll either sell it and get paid or you'll get it on the market at a good price and sell it and get paid, you know? I think I think the adaptability um, is the thing that you brought out of that, and that's not just now, but certainly, you know, you talked there about going into next year. Um, we don't know what is to come. We are going to have to be um, very adaptable. Just something that I would would like to add um, to that is I listened to a podcast yesterday morning. Sean Wayne, um, Wigan Warriors, now England rugby league head coach. He talked very passionately about Kaizen continuous improvement yeah, yeah. so you can be adapt you can be adaptable next year but i think the aim and i want to talk about this um, personally but the aim between now and the end of this year if you aren't already i imagine if you listen to this podcast you, pro- you probably are already on the journey of continuous improvement is to continuously improve now that might be service hopefully that will come through in fee it might not come through in fee you know if you are that competing with that with that low fee agent and but it might be holding your fee in that situation and if you can you don't go from one percent to two percent overnight mm-hmm. that continuous improvement is 1.1 1.15 1.2 you know baby steps we um we talk in the office that you can't make a hundred at one 100 improvement but maybe over a year you could make 100 one percent improvements and i think that model of continuous improvement looking at yourself looking at the team getting the team involved in the in the personal development journey and if everyone takes on the sort of goal to continuously improve and your customer service will come out of that if you can combine that with a bit of adaptability i think that's a really good um roadmap for the next year particularly with, with what could happen in the market but i think you started um by asking me how we're communicating um to agents about the stamp duty i don't think i answered that what did i uh i don't know i kind of rambled on there for a bit i've had a <laughs> coffee and it's just starting to kick in so. <laughs> no, so um i will go back to that because um i think that is important to mm. to talk about and um just before i do i think going back to your your guy who I'm assuming you mean north of Birmingham, close to me. You know, north is completely different to the south. Um, but the tra- north there is trainer speak. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's really northern. Um, so there, I think there is trainer speak that you know you go out and get two percent and yeah. all of this. And I think there is you know there's the trainer world and then there's the real world. And hopefully we we live you know in in the real world and we are aware that sometimes you can't just go in and get two percent. And but I think that what you talked about being adaptable and um, going on a continuous improvement journey can hopefully take you closer towards towards that trainer world. Um, in relation to communicating timescales with clients, I think it's really important that you are very communicative about the timescales if you are agreeing sales now, or if you're gambling and you know agreeing them in six weeks. I think you've got to make sure that you have those difficult conversations with clients early doors that, okay, this is the plan, this is plan A, but if it doesn't happen, then this is plan B. Um, and you've got to be aware that actually the conveyancing timescales are this, the averages are this. And I think the really important thing is you speak to both seller and buyer and say this is what you need to do to ensure the process goes through in the timescales that you have told me that you want to do and if seller 
hasn't told you any timescales, you make sure you communicate those timescales that the buyer is trying to achieve to the seller. Because then ultimately, if it doesn't happen, and you've told everyone what they need to do, and you do everything that you say that you're going to do, then it's not on you. And in fact, actually, you know, they will probably appreciate that you've gone out of your way to, to try and help them hit their goals. I think that's the difference you've just highlighted between fault and responsibility. You're taking responsibility for making sure that everything can happen the way that people want it to. And because you're there and you've agreed, I'm going to talk to the solicitors, you know, on uh, Tuesday and a Friday every week or whatever it is, you know, and you, you all those little steps, yeah. you agreed it along the way. Um, and then you do all that, you've taken the responsibility, but if things don't happen, it isn't your fault. And I think that's a huge, like, that's the difference between, the deal taking a little bit longer and you still getting an incredible recommendation and, and potentially some referrals and not burning a bridge. Whereas, or, or the deal taking a little bit longer and somebody being like, Oh, my agent didn't do anything. You know, it is those that added communication, that, that expectation management, not just the staff, but throughout. So I, I think you're doing the right thing there. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm conscious of your time, but one of the things that we were talking about off air was um, accountability and really looking to like turning the focus to next year where now I think there's like 52 days left in the year. Um, and what we want to do is, is start really thinking about where we want to be in March, you know? Um, and you were just sort of saying that you want to be, whether it's held accountable, whether you're holding yourself accountable, whether you want to hold your team accountable to certain things. Um, and I, again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot now, I think, but um, is, it, is it stuff that you want to sort of share with the show? Um, all that sort of stuff. Um, what, what are you sort of looking in terms of accountability between now and that end of Q1 next year? So I said um, earlier that I felt last week, I, was, I felt like I was a bit like a bear with a sore head. I've sort of reflected on that a little bit. Um, probably not as good a personal reflection as I, as I could be, but I think over the last few weeks, I've probably been sat in my comfort zone last few weeks, maybe even last few months, and sort of thought, Michael Bailey talked when we last got together about accountability and I think it's really it, it really hit home it's a really powerful thing so I would be like I would like to be held publicly accountable if I say it on this show and then don't do it right then I'm going to look like an absolute mug or maybe, and maybe we even come up with some form of, of, of punishment as I listening to an American podcast they, they have public accountability and um, a consequence to the, the public accountability so I'll let you come up with some um, consequences if you like but yeah I think I've really dropped off my prospecting and it's got to be a key part of, of our business if we want our business to grow from broke, both um, valuations and working with more agents over the next three months and I've got to put the work in over the next month <clears throat> to make more calls because I've definitely um, slipped off that and as much as I like the phone it's just not something that I do find every excuse you know not to really so what I'm proposing is I'm going to make 70 calls a week every week for the next month let's talk about it again on the podcast one two three on what the 8th of December um, we've got a guest already booked in, so we can, I'm sure that he'd, he'd like to talk about that. But I will be held publicly accountable. I'm going to need to come up with some form of way of reporting to you that I've made my 70 calls a day. Uh, 70 calls a day, wow, that would be impressive. 70 calls a week. Um, and maybe if there are any listeners who want to get involved and want to be held publicly accountable, then they can reach out, get in touch with us, and we could have a bit of a, um, I don't know, some form of Facebook group, WhatsApp group, or what have you, whereby we all share um our accountability, what we want to be held accountable for. 
and then um, we we go on from there. So if you don't mind, Sam, I would like you to hold me accountable to 70 calls a week over at least the next four weeks. And then when we get to the end of four weeks, if I've not done it, you can tell me the consequence of what I need to do if I've not done it. And if we have done it, then we then look at how that's affected the business and why we would want to carry it out. Well, I think first off, let's let's remove the thinking of you not doing it, you know, because if you said you're going to yeah. do it and you're asking me to hold you accountable, then again, not to use another resource analogy, but I'll whip you every day, you know? <laughs> so, let, and let's not, let's not recap this on the 8th. Let's talk about this next week. You know, if you're going to, if your okay, target cool. is going to be a weekly target, then we'll come back to it and talk about it and address yeah, it week on week, you know, because I think the hardest thing is going to be ending this podcast and going, shit, I've got to make, you know, 13 phone calls. <laughs> today to stay, an to, stay now, on track, to stay on track you know I, I, was in, I was i was reading an article last night and it was about routine um and it was one of the things that I, i've set myself as a, a sort of personal goal of mine is i'd like to write a book at some stage um and i said by the time i was 35 and i think i might change that to be within in next year i've no idea what it's going to be about um i had because like my kid is just cute and just makes weird noises. I've had all these weird ideas like children's books and stuff like that as well. Um, or maybe a book about like what they don't tell you in parenting books, or maybe a book about, you know, world-class real estate, who knows there's something in there and I want to get it out. So I've been reading about writing and routine and stuff. And there was interesting, this guy said like every single book he ever read and I can test to this, uh, it was, you've got to get up and you've got to write for two hours. It doesn't matter if it's crap. It's like prospecting or prospect for two hours every day whatever it's going to be. Um, and that routine ends up setting you free. And he was saying that he, his brain just didn't work like that. It's, it stymied his creativity. It made him resent the work that he was doing. Um, and then he started working to a more weekly sort of routine. So he was like, okay, by the end of every week, I want to have written five articles, which effectively translates into a chapter of a book. Um, you know? And so he would be like, I set myself five articles. He's like, I did five, not seven because then it wasn't the pressure of doing it every day. Um, and he's like, some days I'd write 5,000 words. Some days I'd write a hundred words. Some days I'd spend with my kids. Some days I'd spend all day writing, but not having that pressure of that daily reset was really good for him. And I actually think perhaps with the likes of a weekly target, you know, so I, you know, my thing is talk to 20 people every day. It works for me. That's just what it is. If I can get to the end of the day and I can look at my phone records, I can look at my WhatsApp conversations. I'm happy. You know, I know yeah. that people know that I love them and um, I know that people love me, you know, and I don't mean love in the sense of love, love, but it's, you know, that's what relationships are. Um, yeah. And, but it's not for everybody, clearly. You know, I asked some people in my team to do that and they struggle with it, um, but they work in their own way. So you can't impart that. So I think having a weekly task is a good thing, but the last thing you want to be doing is getting to 4 p.m. next Monday, knowing that you and I are going to have a conversation in public and being like, fuck. I've got to make 70 phone calls, you know, or own up to the fact that I didn't do it. So figure out how that's going to work for you. I promise you that I'll hold you accountable. Um, and we can figure some other okay. stuff out. Well, I know she's been running again, which is good. Well done. So, yeah, yeah thank you. Cool. Again, part of that reflection um, about being in the comfort zone is physical as well as mental. Mm. So, um, all driven up to having a fantastic end to the year to then carry on um, in, into next year. And um, I really appreciate you saying that you will hold me accountable because that will help 
drive me on and we can use this medium to um, hopefully, no, not hopefully, to prove that it works. 100%. Right, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sam. It is fantastic to have you back. You've been um, very much missed over the last few weeks. It's great to, um, to, to see you with such a smile on your face um, and talk so passionately about, about your baby daughter. Um, as every listener knows, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve. If you do like um, what we do, please share it with colleagues and friends. Um, drop us a review if you haven't already already done so. Um, I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next week.